Hey friends, welcome back to the Living Out Loud with Allie and Amanda podcast. My name is Amanda. The Living Out Loud show is where we invite a different guest each week. We give our guests the opportunity to share her story. Our hope is that their story will encourage you in some way. My name is Allie and I want to say thank you to our awesome listeners for letting us into your lives each month. So grab your coffee or favorite beverage and let's get started. February, the month of love, the month where you have Valentine parties, love notes, yeah, love songs, candy. Thank goodness. Uh, what's your favorite part about Valentine's, Ellie? Oh, I love everything about about Valentine's Day, and really just the whole month. Um, I love being able to have a set day that I know for sure I'm going to spend time with my husband especially now that we have a baby. Those yeah. are very sacred and few. Um, so Valentine's Day, but then also being able to hear from everybody you love. Okay, so think about when you were little, Valentine party at school. Did you have a special, like, crush? I did, but when before you said that, I always think about this. I think about the little sweetheart, the hearts. Yes. All the time that say different things, and then you pick one up, and it says, like, I love you, or love you forever, or whatever. Yeah, I immediately thought of that when you said, like, school party. So when you did your Valentine cards for your classmates, were you very particular about the ones that you would send to certain people? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Because if you sent, like, one that said, be mine to a boy in your class. Exactly. And what if he was, like, a nerdy boy? (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Um, Okay, so a crush... Um, okay, so when I was younger, High School Musical, do you remember that? Yeah. Zac Efron. Because when you were younger, my first grader was loving High School Musical. <laughs> <laughs> so I think of, yeah, I think of that as Zac Efron. Oh, yeah. And then I thought as I got older, it was more of like the Channing Tatum, Matthew McConaughey, those type oh, yeah. crushes. But younger was more like Zac Efron. For sure. I can't really think of anyone else. So, like, real crush, like, in life? Would it, like, in elementary school? You know, I never really had, like, a real TV crush. Like, not TV, but oh, real life. Oh, a real crush. Yeah. What was your question? Like, did you have, like, a real life crush in your classroom or oh, school for sure. when you like, were in elementary? Every year, yeah. I'm a relationship person. I was always in some type of relationship. Yeah. I just loved having a boyfriend, even at a, a young young age. I actually want to share this story. So in preschool, even my mom tells the story of, um, this little boy that I liked and she had no idea, but I would just hang out with him on the playground and she would drop me off. And, um, I'd always go and hang out with this little boy. My mom pulled up and was like, who is this little boy? Allie keeps talking about, I've just got to see him. And the teacher pointed him out and said, yep, that's him right there. His name's cowboy. I don't know if that was really his name. So that was my first boyfriend, Cowboy. That is hilarious. Yeah. But see, like, yours were real. That's yeah. awesome. Because, like, when I think they about mine, I look back and I'm like, okay, who were my crushes? And in yeah. first grade, okay, you're not even probably going to even know who this is, but okay. Dukes of Hazard, Bo Duke. He was yes. the blonde one. Absolutely. I was Super in love cute. with him in first grade. Oh, my gosh. What in the world. And then, <laughs> first grade. And then, um, let's see. Okay, my team. He is cutie. Oh my goodness. I don't know what he is now, but he was cute. Who's the guy that plays on um, Sweet Home Alabama? Oh no, he is really cute. But that's not him. Yeah, I know, but I'm just saying that's definitely a crush. (laughs) I'm going to be very Um. So, but then when when I got to middle school and you think about TV crushes, 
Yeah. Like you were saying. I mean, well, elementary I had a TV crush, Bo Duke. But yeah. then it went to like Kurt Cameron. That was for yes. real. That yes. was for real. Like I was old enough to yeah. like know what cute was. Right. And um so Kurt Cameron loved him. You know how they had I don't know if you had this, but whenever okay. I was um in middle school we had all these celebrity um magazines with all the teen heartthrob celebrity people. Yeah. And so like Kurt Cameron from Growing Pains. Did you ever watch that? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. like, I was a huge fan. Oh, yeah. Huge fan. And then I liked Corey Haim, um, which he I wasn't, I don't know what kind of person he was in real life, but yeah. dr- licensed to drive, loved him. And then oh, I moved on to real people. Okay, good. Finally, <laughs> right? I hope our husbands aren't listening to this. I mean, seriously. It was real people after um, a, a How old were you, 20? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> It was high school. Okay, but okay, good. like mid-high school, I was like, oh, I guess I'm going to give up on the TV crushes. Right, you know? right. But funny story about <laughs> my TV crush, um, Kurt Cameron. Yeah. Okay, so at that time, I would dream about meeting him. This oh, is wow. so embarrassing. I know he's never going to listen to this <laughs> podcast, but I know people who actually know him, so I don't think he'd ever listen. But yeah. if you do, like, the reason I love Kurt Cameron for real in real life now is because of the way he loves his wife yes. and how he loves Jesus. Like, yes. he's made me proud as a Christian. Like, he grew up to be awesome. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, most, of awesome. most of them didn't. Most yeah. of them died. <laughs> yeah. I, I hate that. Yeah. Of, like, not good circumstances. But well, I anyway, think... but I was going to tell you the funny thing about Kurt Cameron. Yeah. So, in middle school, my dream was to meet him. And I would imagine, this is so embarrassing, but I would imagine, like, what if I ever met him? Right. I would just pass out probably you know in middle school right so funny story fast forward to uh, when I'm 33 ish yeah Lance and I we you know we have a Chick-fil-a here and we go to it was called seminar every year we call it next and it's this big uh, awesome time that all the owner operators get together and it's a great time we have some you know a lot of learning things, but they always have like a surprise guest for us. Yeah. Lots of great leadership speakers and just in, um, influential people and encouragers, just great stuff. So we had one, um, you know, a big award in Chick-fil-A the first year okay. that we went. Right. Um, yeah. Well, maybe it was the second year. It was after our first full year. Um, <clears throat> and we're backstage because we had to rehearse going on the stage to like, be recognized for this big award right so we're lined up in the back and I had to walk away from Lance to walk up front yeah and I'm walking and guess who passes me no Kurt Cameron (laughs) look my heart I was just like he just walked past me and Lance was not with me and I walked back he was like what is wrong with you that somebody could have warned me <laughs> that I was going to walk right past Kurt Cameron. Who no, I had I'm glad they didn't warn you. It's probably a good thing. Dreamed about meeting when I was in middle school. And the thing is, is like, I don't even feel that way about him. Now. Right. But right. just the fact that I had such a big deal when I was middle school was and I'm way past, past that and never dreamed I would ever meet him. Then I'll, we walk on stage and he's like right in the front because he's going to be the speaker. I'm like, he's, he sees me. What in the world? <laughs> Finally, he sees you. You've waited for so long. But it was when, um, you know, he was in that movie, uh, Fireproof. Okay. And it had just come out. So he came. And so that's really the reason I love him now. It's just his love for the Lord and his family and his wife. And anyway, to me, that is just, like, that's funny. That's fabulous. That's great. 
We want to give a special thanks to our sponsor, The Mustard Seed in Oxford, Mississippi. It's an antique mall with all kinds of boots. It just makes you feel better walking up and down the aisles, looking at clothes, antiques. I mean, you name it, it is here. And you just leave feeling better. If you would like to be one of our sponsors, email us at livingoutloud at hottytotty.com. This month, our guest is Valerie Habib. Valerie is usually identified as Lee's wife, Reagan's mom, and owner of four very needy pugs who loves designing and rehabbing houses. Valerie says she is a loved, accepted, free, and fearless woman for her Lord Jesus. Welcome, Valerie. Thank you. Thank we you. appreciate you coming and being with us today. Now, you are a friend of mine and Allie's, and we have gotten to pray, worship, and study God's Word with you. Mm -hmm. And so we know your story, and that's mm -hmm. why we are so thrilled for you to be able to share it with our listeners today. We just know how much of an encouragement it's going to be, and so um, we want to hear your story. Okay. Well, thank you, and thank you for the opportunity to do that. I think um, um, God you know, says that the um, power of our testimony um, is His right to to do it again, and so I think each time we tell our testimonies, that just really um, sparks something in a spiritual realm for um, for God to just do it again for another person. And yeah. so, um, I will give you the very condensed version of my testimony. Uh, I had struggled for most of my life with excruciating physical pain, mainly in my uh, lower back um, and in my knees. Uh, but later on in life, um, I became inflicted with some some head trauma as a result of a car accident so i just um, on top of everything else then dealt with chronic neck pain migraines um, severe head pain where nobody could even touch it not even with a pillow and so i was getting 30 to 40 injections in my head every 10 weeks for about four years for the um the migraines um being as i was highly allergic to anything stronger than a tylenol my only uh, options for pain relief was to go and get lots of injections in my body. Um, it had gotten to the point where all they could do was give me full ketamine infusions. So um, that's what they give to people who are suicidal in the ER. And um, that's just the point where I had gotten it some late part of 2016. And so I had said to my husband one day, if this is, this is how I have to live the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. I'm just not going to be here this time next year. Mm -hmm. I can't do this anymore. I had actually gotten into such a low point where I had the thoughts that Lee and Reagan would be better off if I was not around because mm -hmm. I just felt like a true burden. Yeah. And I really wasn't participating in life. I just was in pain all the time. And so um, that sparked a conversation with some friends of ours, Roger and Cynthia, Mm -hmm. who um, you've had Cynthia on your show. Yeah, and she and, was at our uh, conference this yes, past year. Yes, and um, they had recommended a book for me to read, and when I did, it just, I knew that I knew that I knew that my pain was not my own, that I was being inflicted and tormented by the enemy. Mm -hmm. And so um, they told me I needed to do some inner healing work, and I really didn't know what that was. Mm -hmm. Never really heard of it. And um, I did some investigation and 
I actually got on the list uh, on their schedule. It was many, many months out. It was a really long list. So while Roger and Cynthia was at our house back in July of 2017, I was still on that list waiting to get <laughs> in her healing prayer. Um, Roger prayed over me that night. Mm -hmm. And um, in a matter of, I don't know, 10 minutes of prayer, um, every bit of pain in my body left me. And so from that moment on, that was July 17th of 2017, I've never had another back problem, knee problem, neck problem. I've never had another migraine in my head. Um, my head doesn't hurt anymore. And so um, instantly that pain left my body. And I was instructed that I needed to follow through with the inner healing, that I had opened up some doors in my life that gave way to the enemy to have a legal right to inflict me with pain um, and torment. And he had for a long time. So um, I followed up on that advice and did some inner healing with Jim Hanley, who wrote Healing the Shattered Soul. And we Skyped um, seven times. And um, in about seven hours worth of prayer, we took care of about 42 years worth of stuff that I had gathered and toted around with me emotionally um, my whole life. And so God was gentle. He was fast. And he, he healed a lot. Um, but what I discovered during that time was um, one of the main doors that I had opened in my life happened uh, when I was 19 years old. I had three abortions within a year and a half. And interestingly, that's exactly when all the pain started in my body. Um, and I had never put those two things together until I had, uh, I was praying one day with Jim and it just fell upon me that that, that was it, that was the open door. Um, and so, you know, we could go off into that conversation. <laughs> um, Another time, yeah. But um, suffice it to say that um, there were many other doors other than just that one that I had opened in my life, mm -hmm. um, which I just welcomed the enemy in. And so, through the inner healing prayers, we just went and closed the doors. Mm -hmm. Well, as you're talking about when you did not want to live. Mm -hmm. I remember that was when you and I were first getting to know each other well. We had started doing Bible study together, and I remember you being on my couch mm -hmm. saying that. Yeah. And it has been incredible to see how God has worked in your life because you went from that, and you were like, okay, God. But I think there were a couple of months where we took a break with, um, maybe it was summer, and we took a break from Bible study, and we were coming back, and uh, to get back together, uh, to start again. And I remember you saying, God has done so much. I, I can't even wait to tell you. So when you came back and you shared that mm -hmm. with us, it was really amazing just to, to get a front row seat to that, to just see, oh my goodness, this is not just something that I've heard about, you know, like I, I see my friend, how God has changed you and the pain and really mm -hmm. taking the pain away. And so I, I think, you know, sometimes um, 
I think a question I would have for someone maybe asking, you know, was it that quick? It just, you just prayed and it, it left the pain. Yeah. Yeah. The pain left because it was demonically induced. Mm -hmm. And so once we took authority over that, mm -hmm. it left. Um, had I not gone and closed the doors, it would have come back and it tried to come back. But I had to learn, and I was, and I learned through doing inner healing um, how to take authority over that mm -hmm. and prevent it from happening. Well, um, I know that you have felt God mm -hmm. calling you to mm -hmm. start a ministry, or you've started a ministry called Mariah Oxford. Yes. Okay, so that's what led to this. Can yes. you tell us about Mariah Oxford? So. Um, you know, I really look back and I think about the scripture that says, freely you have received, freely give. And I think that's just what this is all about. It has so touched my life um, in a way that I didn't know. I didn't know I could feel this good, not just physically, mm -hmm. but all the baggage, all the emotional junk mm -hmm. that I had stored up over the years. Um, I was able to just release to God, mm -hmm. and I just, I felt like God had said, you know, I showed you this for a reason, um, and it wasn't just for you, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, and it, he just put it on my heart that um, you're going to carry this forward in this region. You know, I had to drive, I mean, I, I had to fly out to California to do this. Mm -hmm. And so this is something very, very new uh, in this region. And so I suspect there'll be lots of very valid questions. I had a lot of valid questions mm -hmm. um, about it. I had never heard of it. And so, and whenever people talked about deliverance, it would conjure up certain images in my mind that quite frankly made me a little fearful mm -hmm. because the only... Uh, representation that I had of that came from movies mm -hmm. and, um, and so it was portrayed in a certain way and um, and although freedom and deliverance can happen that way that is not the way we handle it yeah <laughs> we don't allow it and we certainly don't give the enemy a show so um, that's just it's in its infancy. We have been doing it out of my home mm -hmm. now for about six or eight months. Mm -hmm. And um, it's gotten to the point now where um, it's time for us to find a place where we can do this. And we have now other people who are trained up mm -hmm. to lead people through the process. Well, it's amazing because I know a lot of people who have gone through this with you mm -hmm. in your home and the way I have seen uh, the change in their lives and the freedom that they have experienced. And, you know, we know as Christians, most of us, if we've grown up and been reading the Word, that it's biblical. Um, yeah. And I think that the problem is, for a lot of us, is that I grew up Baptist, and mm -hmm. I love a lot of things about that, but even though I know it's biblical and that does happen, I didn't grow up learning a lot about it. So it can seem a little creepy yeah. from like the movies, but we know that if it's done right and biblical, that it's a real thing. And I love that God has been able to put a person in my life that is a friend of mine 
that is very uh, normal. And <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not, I, do, I do not know how to yeah. say this in any other way, but it's not wackadoo, yeah. you know, and yeah. that is totally normal. And I have seen the change in you and it is a real thing. And it has, you know, it's put a passion in me to want to educate myself and more people about what God's word says about this so that people can be free. And so, um, you know, just that was one of my questions of, you know, what would you say to um, those who they've, when they hear, yeah, they've only heard, you know, about deliverance and casting out demons. um, And it's a weird thing. I guess you answered that, but. Um, yeah, what would you say to them? Like, how? Do, what's their first steps of like, I'm interested in this because I yeah. feel like I need freedom and I need deliverance in my life, but I want, you know, to go about it the right way. Right. Yeah. Well, first of all, I would say that um, your faith should not be in the person doing it. Okay. It is um, for you to have that one-on-one relationship with God. And when we do these prayer sessions, that's exactly what it is. We just happen to be in the room. We're steering the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, God's not talking to me. God's talking to the person who wants to be set free. Mm-hmm. And so um, it is a beautiful and, and, and sweet process. God's, look, God is love. And when he sets us free, when he releases us from the bondage that the enemy has got us wrapped up in, it's beautiful. God does not make you relive every detail of either horrific things that happened to you or um, that you've done. He already knows. He was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What he wants you to do is to release it to him. He won't snatch it out of your hand. He's a gentleman. Mm-hmm. He doesn't force us to accept him for our salvation, and he doesn't force us to give him our hurts and our pains and our traumas, mm-hmm. okay? But he went to the cross for that, too. He didn't just go to the cross so that we can spend eternity with him. It says in John 10, 10 that he came so that we could have life to the full, have it abundantly. Mm-hmm. And part of that is to let go of the baggage that the enemy just heaps upon us, the condemnation that we tote around. You know, on one hand, we believe that we've forgive, been forgiven from God. And then we turn right around and allow the enemy to remind us of every single bit of that on a daily basis. Right. And so this healing process, this inner healing process, I'll, um, one of the main questions we get is how can, you know, a, a Christian be, have a demon? And don't think about it as a demon demon having you. What it is, is you're holding on to the demon. And I know that sounds crazy, um, but what it is, is sometimes we have a hard time letting go of the things that have happened to us. um, Or that we willingly did. I had a hard time letting go of what I did. Mm Um, And trust me, the enemy puts lots of people in your path to tell you how awful 
and what an awful person you are and that you're going to go to hell and that this is the most abominable sin you could ever imagine. Mm. And I think sometimes all of us feel as though we have committed that one unpardonable sin. Mm. Whatever that sin is in our life, that's the one that God won't forgive you of. And so, you know, the enemy is a master at this. He's been doing this since the beginning of time. Uh, shame, guilt, condemnation. And so the point of this process is to walk alongside an individual um, and help them release that to God. Mm -hmm. And they just don't know how to do that sometimes. Because mm -hmm. uh, it's almost become um, like a little safety blanket. Mm -hmm. um, what else would I do if I wasn't beating myself up over this all the time? Mm -hmm. I don't know what it feels like to live not in chaos or feeling condemned and beat up every day. Right. Is it okay for me to say, yeah, I did this, but I've been set free from it? Mm -hmm. No, who am I to... No. That sounds a little... Haughty. Yeah. You know? Right. And so uh, that's the trickery of the enemy to tell us that we don't deserve that. And um, so this process is not about um, you coming and spilling your guts to some prayer partner because that's what you have to do to be set free. I've sat through too many prayer sessions where the person didn't have to relive one detail. It was just a matter of asking God to take it. Mm -hmm. um, the enemy loves for us to rehash every single unjust thing that's ever happened to us. Mm -hmm. He loves it. Because each time we do that, we get to relive it again mm -hmm. a little bit. So he gets a little bit more joy out of that. Mm -hmm. Um God doesn't make you do that, mm -hmm. okay, in order for him to heal you. He just wants you to release it to him. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people just don't know how to do that. Yeah. And that's our purpose. That's our only purpose is to just stand in the gap with you, alongside of you, until you're able to release it to him and take authority, your God-given authority, mm -hmm. over the enemy that's what we do. Mm -hmm. It's sweet. It's gentle. Yes, there's a lot of tears involved. But with each one of those, it's another release. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, God says in Luke 4.18 that he came to um, bind up the brokenhearted and set the captives free. Mm -hmm. And that's when he fulfilled the prophecy in Isaiah 61.1. And that's that's the whole scriptural basis for inner healing and deliverance ministry is, um, well, actually, they call it freedom ministry now because they don't want to use the words <laughs> deliverance because yeah. it's, right. it's not politically correct right. um, to talk about casting out demons. It's all throughout the Bible, but we don't want to offend right. anybody, um, right. even in deliverance. Right. So they call it freedom ministry now. Um, and... Um, so that's the whole scriptural basis for it, is to God come in to bind up those broken hearts, the hearts that have been shattered, and um, to set the captives free. I just love your approach. You keep saying the word gentle. 
But I think that that's huge because when I think about um, Christ, Jesus in the Bible, and God, our Father, I mean, yes, there are many, many scriptures that talk about him not being gentle and him being very forceful and commanding, and that's, that's one side of his personality. But then when you see the love and the grace and the mercy and the healing, you just see, I just picture this gentle side of him, mm-hmm. this gentleness that I know that he has, and I think that is huge for this ministry um, and for you to to have that gentleness spirit mm-hmm. and that kindness and that just calmness in this because people who are in the process of being set free, there's a lot of things that goes on in, in their yeah. minds and in their hearts. And if you have somebody um, pointing a finger or making your voice, you know, like yelling or whatever it is, being forceful, it can almost scare that person away. And um, from my own experience and a part of my husband and I's stories, we've had a situation where we were wounded in a situation like that because it wasn't gentle and it wasn't um, followed up well. And so um, we had to learn, and luckily we have, and we had to learn that that is not the right way to do it. You need to have a gentleness. You need to have that follow-up and that loving, concerning, I'm here and I'm walking you through it. Not just in that moment, but the steps after. And that was my Mm -hmm. next question to you, that's another thing that I loved, um, what you said about you were set free in that moment. And I know everyone's situation is different. I know mm-hmm. there are probably people that you've experienced that maybe weren't set free right then, but were over time in different ways. God handles it everyone yeah. differently. Um, but the thing that you said is you were healed in that moment. You were set free in that moment, but then you had some doors to close. Talk more about that. Explain what what does that mean? What did that look like for you? How did you go about closing those doors? Um, how did people guide you through that, walk you through that process? Because I think that's a huge piece that people are missing out on yeah. is that follow-up, that continued yeah. education of what to do after you've been set free. Because it doesn't just stop in that moment. No. You've got no. There, the follow-up's almost even bigger it is. to follow than... Well, so you don't open the doors back up again. Right. And so because the enemy is always going to go right back to what worked in the past. Yeah. Okay. He's not exceptionally clever. He's just very persistent. Right. (laughs) So um, the four main ways um, that the enemy gains legal rights to us, okay, he's a legalist, and um, is through the acronym SOUL. So SIN some sin that we commit ourselves or that's committed upon us, okay. uh, the occult, uh, unforgiveness, and our lineage, our ancestral heritage. So those are the four main ways that the enemy, four most common ways that the enemy gains access to legally come in and harass us and torment us. And so for um, the ways to close those doors is, of course, to repent the sin, we have to repent of it, and we need to repent out loud. The enemy cannot read our mind. God can read our mind, but the enemy cannot. He's just a good guesser. He's watched us our whole life, so he can pretty much predict what (laughs) what we're going to do and how to get the right reaction out of us. So we want to repent for that. Also for the occult, the way to close that door is to uh, repent of the actions whatever you participated in, and then renounce it, okay? For unforgiveness, it's forgiveness. And that 
forgiveness is usually the hardest one for people um, by far people are very quick to recognize when they've sinned and to say I'm sorry please forgive me same thing with the occult the forgiveness one is by far the hardest step for people to go through and usually the hardest person they have a hard time forgiving is themselves by far um, it's much easier for them to forgive others because we know I listen to Joyce Meyer all the time hurting people hurt people so we know um, that when we get hurt by somebody most of the time it's it, it's out of hurt that they've experienced themselves so we can have compassion for that we're not so compassionate with ourselves we don't extend the same grace to ourselves that we extend to others mm -hmm. and so it oftentimes that's the, that's the hardest part of it and wasn't that your story for me that was the hardest because um you know, how do you forgive yourself for having three abortions? Mm -hmm. You know, I can rationalize it all day long. Mm -hmm. I know where the mindset came from. Mm -hmm. um, I just had these strongholds built up in my mind. Mm -hmm. Strongholds is just a, a, a area of bondage that we're held in due to a wrong thought pattern. And after having been sexually abused for quite a long time, um, no father, none of that. I had a very messed up view mm -hmm. of men and of uh, relationships. Mm -hmm. And I had been taught for a long time that you can't ever trust a man. They're always going to leave you. And that had been my experience mm -hmm. in life. And so the enemy's really good at that. He will, he will, he, he will foster whatever people are speaking over you. Right. <laughs> um, and so I just, in my mind, thought that that was the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. um, and I knew it wasn't, or else I wouldn't have kept it a secret for so long, mm -hmm. right? And so um, I hold a special place in my heart now mm -hmm. for women who have gone through abortion. because, um, And God's given me that grace now. Mm -hmm. And so everything that the enemy meant for harm... He will turn around, God will, and use it for good. Mm -hmm. This is going to help set other people free Amen. from that. Yeah. And because um, we need to have real discussions yeah. about that. Mm -hmm. And um, so the unforgiveness of yourself is the hardest part. Um, the last part, that lineage, that ancestral stuff, um, the way to close that door is really, it's, it's just doing a little bit, uh, um, pretty simple prayer. And it's just repenting. You're going to stand in the gap for your ancestors. Mm -hmm. Okay, you're going to repent for their unrepented sins, known and unknown. We don't know all the things our parents did or our grandparents or great grandparents did. Many times they may have participated in things they didn't even know was a sin. Mm -hmm. And so the great thing is, you know, the power of life and death is in the tongue. So when we speak it out and we choose to stand in that gap, I repent for the sins, mm -hmm. uh, known and unknown, of mm -hmm. my forefathers all the way back to Adam and Eve. Mm -hmm. um, I choose to forgive 
those they were not able to forgive or chose not to forgive. So this is really, um, I know we've talked about this, but really before my conversations with you, that's mm-hmm. the, or maybe some others who have gone through your study, first time I've ever heard, I've heard about ancestral, is it sin? Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Ancestral sin, but I've never heard that I could repent for them. Mm-hmm. I've always just learned, like, and so when you go, they, someone goes through your study or they, would learn scripture and how that mm-hmm. comes together because mm-hmm. I've never heard, you know, well, they will. And so we know there's generational curses because it tells us that in yeah. Genesis, okay, yeah. that the sins of the father will be visited upon the third and fourth generation. In some instances, it visited all the way down to the 10th generation. Mm-hmm. Well, um, at a certain point, you know, God allowed Joshua to stand in the gap for Israel mm-hmm. and repent mm-hmm. on behalf of the sins that they were committing. Mm-hmm. And that's really um, a scriptural basis, um, one of the ones that says, okay, well, God allowed Joshua to do that mm-hmm. for his people, but we can do that for our people. Yeah. Okay? God honors that. Mm-hmm. And it cuts off access to the enemy, to mm-hmm. the ancestral right. Okay? You notice certain things will travel through family lines. Yeah. Well, it traveled through my family line. Mm-hmm. My mom had chronic back pain and all my all of my four sisters. And so my answer was, oh, well, this back pain is just normal because everybody in my family has back pain. So that's just my lot in life. And I just accepted it as mm-hmm. though that was true. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't true. Um, same thing with fibromyalgia. Well, it's interesting. I had one sister diagnosed with it, then the next sister, then the next sister, then my mother. Then they tried to diagnose me with it. (laughs) Oh, no. No, no, no. (laughs) No, I do not. Um, And I've seen what all that medication is doing to my sisters. Yeah. Not going down that road again. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, guess what? I don't have fibromyalgia, and I don't have any pain in my body, and my back doesn't hurt. Um. Now, there's not a demon behind everything. We do have real physical um, ailments and, and disease and sickness. Um, and so it, there's not a, a demon behind every single bit of that. Yeah. We do have real disease and sickness that takes place, right. okay? But God has an answer for that too. So yeah. he's also the great healer, and many times he uses the medical system in order to do that healing. So this is no way, um, uh, in any way, going against the medical community because, thank God, I had the medical community to stand in and help me until I was set free. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Did I answer that correctly? Absolutely. Like, did, I, did I close? Yes, we closed all the doors. Yes. yes. I, could, I think I could just sit here and listen to you, like, drinking from it's a like, uh-huh. faucet. Uh-huh. So let me, this is another question that comes up. Um, and it was Roger, I was up at the International House of Prayer a few weeks ago, and Roger and Cynthia were there, and so they have become just spiritual mentors to me. Yeah. Okay, so I know if I... We love them. Um, yes. They speak into me, but it's always through scripture. Yeah. And so I had asked Roger, Roger, I need a better way to explain to people, um, how we can build up these fortresses, these strongholds mm-hmm. within ourselves. Because 
I don't think I was doing a very good job. Mm-hmm. So I'm learning, when I say I'm getting on the job training right now, <laughs> <laughs> that could not be more true. And so, um, so he gave me an illustration, which was, um, I think just really speaks to people. And so, um, what happens sometimes, okay, our bodies are made up, uh, is a triune body. So we have body, we have a soul, and we have a spirit. When we accept Jesus, our spirit is sealed with Jesus, okay? The enemy gets kicked out. Our soul, okay, it's our mind, our will, and our emotions. I think, I want, I feel. How often do we always tell everybody how we feel and what we think, okay? Well, that's where the enemy gains access to us because he not every thought we have is our own and not every feeling we have is our own. And he will do that so that then we exercise our free will to do things that are contrary to what God wants for us. Okay. So, and then we have our body. Well, seven times in the Bible, God refers to our body as his temple. Okay. The temple is also has the Holy of Holies, the inner court and the outer court. Mm -hmm. Our spirit, our soul, and our body, okay? So God lives in our spirit, but he also lives in the Holy of Holies. That's our Holy of Holies. Well, in Ezekiel 8, God gave Ezekiel um, this vision and told him to go out into the inner court. And when he got out there, he was going to see a hole in the wall. When they made the temple, the, the, um, there were two layers to the wall. There was an outer layer and an inner layer. So if the enemy was able to penetrate that wall, by the way, it's referred to in the Bible as a fortress. If if they got through the outer layer, they still had another layer of protection. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so God gives Ezekiel this vision of going out and says, You're going to see a hole in the wall. I want you to go to that hole and I want you to dig it out. So he does this. And when he digs out, what he sees in between the two walls says was um, uh, crawling and detestable things. And 70 of the elders of the church were burning incense to false idols. Now this was happening right outside the Holy of Holies in what in our body would be the soul space. Mm-hmm. Okay, And so that's kind of what happens within us. How can a Christian be filled with the Spirit, and yet do some pretty detestable things. Well, because the enemy still has access to our soul. He has access to our mind and our emotions and our free will. Mm -hmm. And so what we do is, for example, you take a five-year-old girl who's being molested by her father. She doesn't know how to cope or handle these emotions she's experiencing. Mm-hmm. We've got fear, we've got anger, we've got the feeling of helplessness, mm-hmm. we know it's unjust. Um, and so, in order for her to cope with life, she'll start building a wall around those emotions, a fortress, to wall those emotions in so that she can function when she's out on the playground with her friends, okay? 
And that's kind of what we do when we go through life and something tragic happens, mm -hmm. the loss of someone that just was just tragic and unexpected. We don't know how to handle it. Um, maybe something was perpetrated against us. Maybe parents got divorced and we just didn't know, just didn't know how to handle it. So what we do is we just wall up those emotions and we wall them up and we wall them up and we just kind of um, put it to the side. And we do that so that we can function in life mm -hmm. and be normal. <laughs> and um, what happens is that we build up little fortresses. Mm -hmm. The Bible refers to those as strongholds. Mm -hmm. And God says, I don't want you to build up your own fortresses. I'm your fortress. Mm -hmm. Let me be your fortress. And so what inner healing does this prayer process, it starts tearing down the walls that we've built up around these emotions mm -hmm. and let God come in and heal that situation. Mm -hmm. And when he does that, you don't forget yeah. that that event happened. It's just, um, imagine having a fresh fleshly wound on your arm and somebody coming along and they keep poking you in it. Well, it hurts. Same thing happens internally when we have internal wounds, when that it's still raw, it's still open, it hasn't been dealt with. So the enemy comes along and he keeps poking you in it. Remember this, remember when this happened, remember when she said this to you, and it'll just keep it open and festering. God comes in and he heals that. He binds up the brokenhearted, he heals the wound. Now there's a scar there, just like there would be on that the wound on your arm when it healed but when somebody comes along and pokes you on the scar it doesn't hurt anymore you know it happened you can see it you remember the event it happened mm -hmm. but the emotional feelings that you had that were attached to that event it doesn't it doesn't hurt anymore and that's the whole purpose that's so of good. going through the process oh, man. so good how much time do we have left we've got about couple minutes okay so we could sit here and talk to you all day and I'm just so thankful that you are willing to come and share and what I see in you is a friend mm -hmm. who has a passion mm -hmm. to see people freed because mm -hmm. you have experienced freedom and I love that I've been able to see that in you and just so grateful for what God has done in your life and how you are using that to help lead yeah. others to freedom and so our, you know, if any of our listeners are wanting to, are interested in Mariah Oxford, mm -hmm. um, or, you know, that don't live in Oxford, yeah. um, how, what would you tell them? Who do they need? Where can they go to find? Um... So uh, right now, when I say this is in its infancy, <laughs> they are literally putting together the website now. Um, right now, anybody, I mean, just my phone number, just call me. Okay. Um, they have questions, people want questions, they wanna hear more about it. Um, they're just still not convinced that this is for them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I need to be able to answer those questions. And if I can't answer those questions, I don't need to be doing this, mm -hmm. okay? And, um, and if I don't have a good enough answer, I'm going to find somebody who does. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We're going to open up the big book and, um, 
and get answers. And so um, I just, I want people to understand because God gave me this example last week. And so when God tells me to look something up at midnight, it's usually for a purpose. And so this might actually speak to somebody who's listening. But um, he actually told me to go and look and um, write down the instances where God, where Jesus healed the blind. And um, there were four, four different instances that were specifically um, spoken of. And two of those instances, he healed the people through their faith. Third instance, um, he spit in a guy's eyes, okay, and healed them. And then on the fourth instance, that's the one who was born blind, and the disciples asked Jesus, you know, who sinned, him or his fathers? And Jesus said, no, neither. This is going to be for the glory of God. Mm -hmm. And he spit in the, in the dirt, made mud, put it on the, the guy's eyes. But then he told him he had to go do something. He had to go wash in the pool of Shalom. And so many of us can get healed through our faith. Sometimes God will spit in our eyes to heal us. And sometimes he's going to meet us halfway. He's going to do his part when we do our part. He's going to ask us to do something as an act of obedience. Mm -hmm. Okay? So everybody's healings will come differently. So don't expect to get the same healing the same way somebody else did, mm -hmm. okay? Um, and so that's going to be for somebody who um, is listening, and they need to hear that. Um, but you can get, I don't care, we can give my phone number out um, to all your listeners. Um, it's 662-816-7828, 662-816-7828, and um you know, I just, I do, I have a heart for this.